If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. The Freeman Report and James Freeman on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hello and welcome to The Freeman Report. My name is James Freeman. I'm a former member of the European Parliament and this is my weekday show where I break down the big issues of our time in our fight for freedom, liberty and justice. It is Monday the 18th of December 2023 and on today's show I'll be reporting on a race to save a father of three's life. Craig had a serious car accident in March that left him in a coma for around a month. He suffered serious injuries, including broken bones all over his body, his pelvis, his ankle, um, all over his body, and punctured lungs and brain damage. However, Craig is a fighter. He has fought through all of that and can now live independently of any machines to keep him alive. Although he does require a feeding tube because he cannot consume enough calories via normal feeding. He's able to interact with his family. He recognises them and clearly smiles um, when they're around. And he and there's a video of him playing ball on his lap with um, his niece. His family argue that it is early days um, and that Craig should be given more time to recover given that it's only been seven to eight months since he emerged from his coma. However, the doctors disagree and want to remove food and water and put Craig on end-of-life care, despite a local hospital being willing to take him on at minimal cost compared to others in society who need around-the-clock care. Doctors have said um, they would like to end his life just after Christmas. So it is imperative that you help me get this story out there to the world so that we can hopefully give Craig more time to recover. Now, I spent um, a couple of hours with his mum, Mandy, over the weekend and recorded an interview with her that we will play in a moment. I'm not a medical or legal expert, but it does seem like a reasonable request from his family that he'd be given more time to recover, especially given that he's got three children and two sisters. His children are eight, 10 and 18. In my view, it is not the place of doctors to decide who should live and who should die. Euthanasia is illegal in the UK and despite there being legal loopholes to get around this, I cannot describe what they are planning to do as anything other than that. How can it be described as anything else when he's not dependent on any machines to keep him alive? All he needs is food and water like every other single one of you watching right now. Like I said, the family want to give him more time, a chance to recover further, a chance for his children and family to have Craig in their lives. As I've said, Craig is a father to three, a big brother to two lovely sisters, and I think he deserves to be given a chance to recover, given that he's made it this far. When you hear the list of injuries that he suffered, how long he was in a coma, and how difficult the past seven to eight months have been for him, it is clear that Craig is a fighter. The family all talk about his love for life before the accident, 
And so I think he should be given a chance now. His mother, Mandy, and Kate Shimarani will be joining me in a moment to discuss everything about the case. What the family need from me and all of you now is to share the hell out of this story. We need to raise awareness of the case, case and get people to help by donating to a crowdfunder, which will be set up in the next day or so, that will pay for legal representation to help stop this injustice taking place, which doctors want to do just after Christmas. How nice of them. I'll be running this story all week in the run-up to Christmas, so please, please help me spread the word. If you want to get in touch um, about anything to do with the show, um, then please email me at jamesfreeman at tntradio.live. And if you want to join in the conversation, get yourself over to tntradio.live and click on the chat icon. My name is James Freeman, and this is the Freeman Report for TNT Radio. Keeping the commitment. I love you guys. Unbelievable. 24-7. Listen to you every day, have for years. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Good morning, Gemma. How are you doing this morning? Yeah, uh, I've been better. But uh, when you hear a story like what, you, what you've just said, you know, I count my blessings. I count my blessings that I'm fit and well and, you know, not facing the horrors that that family is facing and that poor man as well right before Christmas. What a stressful time for them. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing just seems wrong, especially when you've seen the video. It is only seven or eight months out since he had the act, uh, since he came out of the coma, rather. Um, and he's made huge progress since then. Um, some people take years to recover. Um, I think he should be given the opportunity to carry on fighting, given the fight that's got him here already. So, um, you know, like I said, I'm not a legal or medical expert, but just on a human level. Um, I think that that he should be given the chance, particularly given because there's no economic argument as far as I can see, because the the hospital in Kafili near here, um, I think I heard a figure mentioned of £2,000 a week for caring for him. And that sounds a lot. But, you know, I know um, relatives that have been in care for dementia and it's not that far off what that would cost for them. And Craig is 39 years old. He's got young kids. He's got a family. I think he should be given a chance. Well, let's see what happens as a result of this story and, and how much traction it gets and the, how much support the family get. But uh, well done, certainly, for bringing it to the to the public's attention. Uh, another story today, just at the top of the last hour, um, I was chatting with Rick on Locked and Loaded about the fact that, you know, there's a campaign now to have uh, all the fines issued for breaking lockdown rules here in the UK, the COVID fines rescinded. And that seems to be a step in the right direction, certainly of the madness of the last few years. And we've had some uh, common sense over the weekend as well in regard to the COVID inquiry, which you and I have discussed quite a bit here on this show, what a whitewash it is and what a pantomime it's descending into and something, something akin to a farce. Well, uh, a campaign group here in the UK, Us For Them, is actually threatening the inquiry now with legal action, um, which could go all the way, actually, if the inquiry doesn't kind of, what they say is, buck its ideas up and change its course. Now, if they can be successful on this, I'll be taking every single one of that campaign group out for a Christmas drink because we've been discussing this inquiry and it's not gone the way it should have gone and the questions haven't been asked. So Us For Them is saying um, the inquiry is steadfastly uh, ignoring the effects of lockdowns on children, it says it's only focusing on the deaths and the dealing with the deaths as the sole measure of the government's response to it. And it's uh, it, it grossly undermines, uh, underweights 
the toll on children. So over the weekend, it wrote a damning legal letter to the inquiry uh, saying that uh, it seems to them that the inquiry has already decided that uh, ordering people to stay at home was necessary, proportionate and justified, and that the inquiry is almost exclusively focusing on whether lockdowns should have been, been imposed harder and sooner. So they sent the letter to Baroness Hallett um, and so, so they're saying, you know, you're basically saying lockdowns were great and it's going to be a foregone conclusion of whether we should have locked down sooner. Um, they are disagreeing with this um, line of inquiry and saying the whole thing is unfair. Um, and they're saying if you don't change the course of the inquiry and start asking the right questions, which is what we've been talking about here on TNT, then they could issue a legal challenge via a judicial review early next year. Uh, and they're, they're really... Um, not backing down. The inquiry, I think, is a little bit rattled because over the weekend it kind of issued a blanket statement saying we disagree with uh, the campaign group, we disagree with us for them, uh, we're focusing on all the right things. It looks to us from the outside that they're not focusing on anything actually except apportioning blame and tit for tat stuff. So um, it's very uh, heartening, although in one hand, disheartening because people are saying you're not asking the right questions. It's disheartening that it's not the mainstream media doing that. It has to be a campaign group. But that's one of the gifts of the last three years is that people are taking matters into their own hands. That it's not the mainstream media doing that. It has to be a campaign group. But that's one of the gifts of the last three years is that people are taking matters into their own hands. It is interesting that Rishi Sunak was up last week and he was even shut down by the inquiry's council for suggesting that lockdowns did more harm than good. I mean, he was chancellor at the time and he's PM now. So it's clear the inquiry doesn't want to go down that route. Let's hope this campaign group, us for them, has more success. Yeah, and of course, that um, campaign group is headed up. It was, I think she's a co-founder and she's, um, you know, lead of the, the organisation, Molly Kingsley. Now, Molly um, has had many successes over the past couple of years. She won a court case um, against Pfizer for, well, no, it was against the BBC. That's right, because they had Albert Bowler on, the CEO of Pfizer, and basically he misrepresented the drug. She won that case. She's been on the Freeman Report before. So I'll, um, I think I'll give her a call and see if she's about later this week. We can get her on the show to talk all about that. Um, but yes, clearly, Gemma, um, it is an absolute disgrace. Um, we've got Cinema and Co. in Swansea here. Um, you know, that they were given huge fines merely for just, um, you know, serving tea and coffee and cakes um, to people and refusing to bow down to the ridiculous lockdowns. So there is an issue here and we will talk about it more this week. Thank you very much to Gemma. Um, I hope, Gemma, you feel better. I know you're suffering under the weather a little bit at the moment, so I hope you feel better um, tomorrow. Thank you. Right. To the rest of you, don't go anywhere because after this short break, we're going to play the interview with Mandy, the mother of Craig. So don't go anywhere. Stay tuned with me, James Freeman on TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. 13 Israeli hostages released uh, as part of that ceasefire deal uh, 49 days after they were taken hostage. 49 days. So that still leaves about 225 to 227 more hostages. Uh, I'm with John Bolton, the former National Security Advisor to Donald Trump. I'm with Britt Hume of, uh, of Fox News. I'm with a bunch of other people who say this gives Hamas too much time to do whatever they want to do, to do whatever they need to do, to regroup, to rearm, to re-strategize. And as much as you want the hostages back, it can't be at the expense of the other part of the mission, which is to destroy Hamas. So I think it's a mistake. Steve Malsberg on TNT Radio. Affordable housing. We can build that. 
Sustainable housing, we can build that. At MIT Modular, we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design, cost, and functionality. Our goal is to meet the needs of our growing population by converting shipping containers to livable units. If you're like-minded and in a position to invest in something meaningful and life-changing, we want to hear from you. We are a team of professional architects, engineers, and financial and tax experts dedicated to offering unique solutions that provide a brighter future. Our Opportunity Zone Fund offers investors both real estate and operating business diversification, five-year tax deferral on capital gains, annual tax benefits, and ultimately tax-free appreciation potential. There are Opportunity Zones all over America. If you're interested in learning more about our services, need affordable housing, or want to participate in creating a new vision for tomorrow, give us a call in the U.S. on 385-985-5702 or read more at MITModular.com. MIT Modular. We can build that. At the top of the hour, we'll keep on top of the news. It's the most important thing we can do on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Right. Okay. Well, I'm just checking the live chat through the break there. I can see quite a few people got um, some strong opinions on this case. Um, Maisie says, I agree, James, but he shouldn't be asking um, for more time. Um, why when um, actually, and I guess the assumption is there that actually we should just be letting him live. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, but what I'm saying is, you know, the doctors are saying that his prognosis is is very restricted, that he doesn't have full consciousness and therefore it's not in his best interest. What the family are saying is, hang on a second, he's made all of this progress and he deserves the chance to see at, at a minimum, at a minimum, to see that if he can recover further. And I have to say, I agree. He's fought all of the way to this point through the absolutely awful injuries that he had. Um, his family, like I said, want more time for him to recover. He's a big brother to two lovely ladies, and he's also got three children of 8, 10, and 18. Right, okay, so we're going to watch the interview which I recorded over the weekend. So, Studio, please, can you play the interview? Well, Mandy, um, thank you for um, inviting me today um, to talk about Craig. Um, I guess... Probably the best place to start is tell me what Craig was like before the accident. Um, Craig was a family man. He loved his children. Um, he liked rugby, um, socialising, meeting his friends, um, motorbikes. He, you know, he was, so he was holidays, really... but mostly all with his, he loved going away with his children, camper yeah. vans and his girlfriend. Um, He's quite an outdoor boy. Yeah. And what does he what does he do for for a living before? Um, he was um, he like buy and sell um, or like cars and things. Okay. Yeah, and he worked on like buildings and things like that. Yeah. Cool. And he's um, he's obviously got children. So yes. he's I think he's got three children. Has he? Three children. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and how old are they? Um, one is um, eighteen. One is uh, eight, and one is six. Yeah, and I think you said earlier. Craig's, he's 39, isn't he? He's 39, yeah. Yeah, so obviously in March something terrible happened, didn't it? Um, tell us tell us what happened. Well, he was driving along a road, um, it was called Aberbeeg, and there was a wheelie bin that came into the road. It was a, a disastrous night, all the winds, rain, and it blew in. So he managed to get himself around the wheelie bin and 
go back on, but then another car come around the corner, he clipped that and spun it into another car, which ended up then right. with all his injuries. And how did you hear about the accident at the time? Well, the girl that was in the car, her mum got hold of us and she was in the Grange and she said, I think Craig has been taken to the ETH. So we had to go to the ETH and identify him because we didn't even know. It happened 10.30 in the previous night. Yeah. And we didn't hear it till about 10.30 on the Friday. Nobody contacted us. Right, okay. And when you went in, presumably he was, because they induced him, uh, yeah, they, they, they yeah, put, put him the in induced, induced yeah. coma, didn't they? Yeah, and then airlifted him to the Heath Hospital. Right, okay. Mm. And then, so it's, it's, it's some pretty bad injuries that, that he's sustained, isn't oh, it? Oh, yes. Yeah. He had some a bleed on the brain, um, swelling on the brain, lungs, two collapsed lungs, broken ribs, broken pelvis. To name, but for, you know, he went right through it. He, yeah. had to, he had to fight his way back to where he is. So that, I mean, I, there must have been points where you thought, "Well, we've lost him." Yeah. Um, oh, they told us to prepare for the worst, you know, because he could go one way. He had to have a load of operations. Yeah. You know, um, repairing his pelvis. Um, he was back and forth. Um, well, with his well, the scans and lots of it, lots of operations. Really. Yeah. So we have fought a long battle to get where he is today. A and hard how, battle, I'd say. And how was that? That must have been really difficult with his three kids and stuff all going through Terrible. all of that. Yeah, as a family, we were devastated. We practically lived down the hospital. And um, the surgeon, they, they were saying, like, we don't know, we don't know. He's, he's, he's lucky to be alive. That was, yeah. the, that was what we got off everyone. But he did. He fought and fought to the point where they moved him then to the assessment in Landoc. And at that point, he, he'd come from nothing to smiling at his children, recognising their face, um, know how to eat, yeah. drink. So he, was, so he was in a coma for quite a long time, wasn't he? It was three, three to six weeks, we, yeah, I think you said. Yeah, yeah. Some, something around that. And then, so then he spent, obviously he was in the ICU, he yeah. spent a lot of time... In hospital, as you said, going having um, different yeah. operations and stuff. Yeah. So when was he actually moved to Landoc, this other hospital, which is a brain specialist hospital, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, he was moved there. But it would be about three months because he was moved there for a three months assessment. Right. Okay. And at this point, Craig had gone from numerous tubes in him to nothing. He didn't. Yeah. Need, all he needed was a feeding tube, and since he'd been there. They have been feeding him, so he can go by mouth. Yeah. But they're trying to say that he can't sustain 2,000 calories a day. Yeah. They, I don't know what they're doing, but he doesn't like the peg up his nose. And I didn't find out that um, there is some type of peg, um, a feeding peg in his, that he can have in his stomach, which they call a mini or a Mickey peg. The once they finish t um, feeding him, they take it away and it's like a button. Right. So, and they can just feed him as and when. and But I think he will eventually, I, I believe, that he'll start eating more and more, but they're not giving him the chance. Yeah, so so he's, he's had this three-month assessment. Yeah. How much progress have you seen um, since he's come out of his coma? I mean, wh oh. you know, where's he gone from and, and, and yes. where's he, where is he today? Um, well, it isn't even a year till next March. And what he've, the progress he's got... 
if it's like a slow opening in his eyes, didn't know no one. And then it was going to say the odd words to me, recognise his family when we come in. Yeah. And he's got, no, like I said, he sat in the, he is, when he goes in a wheelchair, we take him out and I give him a lollipop. He's, I have videos. Yeah. And then he's eaten, the hospital said he eats yogurts and all that, but then they're trying to say that they want to end his life. They don't think he got a quality life. So they sent a professor down from London to work cause, to work uh, assessment out on him. Yeah. And Wales send one to England to work assessment on. And they decide, they told me they can overrule and they don't think he got a quality life and they want to end it in seven days. And so, yeah, when you say seven days, so I think the plan or what they're saying is they, they will draw nutrition yeah. and hydration. Yeah. And essentially he will die. They'll make him comfortable, but yeah. he'll essentially pass away yeah. of starvation and dehydration. Yeah. So this um, professor, what was his assessment? Because you've met with him, haven't I've you? I've met with him, yeah. And what, what, what exactly did he say to you? He, like they all reported, all right, Craig is agitated. He, he, he may... Like it, it's out, but it doesn't like this in his nose. But I, he, he was with him only for seven hours. Yeah. And to me, he doesn't know Craig, and Craig is where he come from, and he isn't, he isn't in a vegetated state by no yeah. means. He can communicate by smiling and looking the odd words, but the brain can take time to heal. Yeah, of course. But yeah. this professor is ready to end Craig's life after Christmas. And that's um, as blunt as it is. And my daughter, my ex-partner and my and his sister were there. And we said, you've just made your mind up. And I think it's down to costing, yeah. keeping Craig alive. But at the end of the day, I have seen far worse people that are getting all the help they need. And they got more tubes, they got everything on him. And Craig hasn't got nothing on him like that. And they're not even giving him a chance. So, yeah, because th this is really key, isn't it? He's not on any machines. No machines, um, You know, you can take him out for the day I in the wheelchair. Him, yeah, he'd been yeah. out to a motorbike shop, which he loves. Yeah. And he was smiling. He really enjoyed it. That was only about two, two weeks ago in part of the assessment. Right, so, Mandy, in terms of, um, I guess, who makes the decision, what have the hospitals said? I mean, do you have any say in what happens at all? No. The professor got the say, and he came back in his report saying that his decision will overrule us. Right. And um, it'll be out of our hands as a family, and they will decide, and basically, whatever they come up with, we've got to go with. How today. does that feel, as a mother, oh. to be told that somebody else is going to decide whether your son... I have nightmares, nightmares. I wake up in the middle of the night, can't sleep, can't stop thinking of it. His, children, um, his sister's exactly the same as me. Um, I, I don't know why I haven't had a nervous breakdown because I'm just going with the motion. Yeah. And it's absolutely terrible. And when somebody says to you, well, it's any your choice anyway. We don't, we, we'll be working in Craig's best interest and we don't think he'll have a quality of life, so we're going to end it. Obviously, he was sent to this hospital for an, a three-month assessment. Did you have any inclination before that that this was a possibility? I mean, or did you think that this is just an assessment to see and how we're going? They help him at this hospital to get better, you know, yeah. more. Yeah. They're, they're taking him. Um, so they're working out. They're putting how on to... machines, you know, for um, physio. And, yeah. Like the machines work to strengthen his legs. And, you know, he was doing all that, cleaning his teeth. 
coming his ear. So when was the first point, what, what was the first point where you realised actually that was what they were going to suggest? Was it with this professor or was it with the hospital? No, that... well, they said we come to the end now and it's in Craig's best interest to carry on. Yeah. He ain't going to have a quality of life. And I said, well, you, you sh- would you do it to your children? I said, where do you come from? I think he fought a battle so, so good to get to where he is. And then seven hours with a bloke, I've only just met Craig for seven hours. Yeah. He could have been on a bad day, a good day. And he decided at the end. Well, the fact that he's come through from all these injuries and he is in the state he is. Yeah. He's that obviously shows, fighting yeah, that shows for his life. So, step forward, he ain't going back, but they want to just end it. So when you, you had this meeting and they told you that that was the plan... How did you, I mean, who was at the meeting? Was it just you or was... No, it was all the family, like, and they were going around there and the, the, the doctors and things, and they were going, oh, we've done this assessment, we've done that. So describe what, because obviously you, you had that meeting, yeah. you came out. Um, How has that impacted the family, that, 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 what they were saying? Well, devastated, because, like, we said, well, we thought he was going to come here because they'd sent him there to give him a chance in assessment and then rehabilitation. Yeah. It was all taking him to the gym, um, taking him out, um, helping him to wash and show him all that. Then all of a sudden, they go, oh, he's too agitated. And then we kept on, can he try a peg on him? No, he ripped it out. And they never told me till I went to a brain injury in Caffilly and they got a bed for him, wait, waiting for him. And she said, why didn't they offer him this mini on Mickey Mouse? Which yeah. they haven't. And I think that would end a lot of Craig's frustration to get the feeding tube out of his Yeah, face. I don't think I'd like a tube up no. the nose. No, and he's, well, when they go and he's pulling it out all the time. Now, you tell me, you've got a glove on that hand, that ain't in, this hand down is strong, yeah. and you can get that out. But even then, if there is this other solution, which is basically where they they can feed him directly to his stomach, yes. and then there's only a connection of feed going in when he's actually being fed, fed. so somebody can supervise that. Yeah. And the, so that isn't a problem, is it? Yeah. If, if, you, if they were to give yeah, him Yeah, they're this... trying to say he could need four to one. Now, right. looking at Craig, a couple, my uh, daughter, no, she's a nurse, no, and a lot of people say he doesn't need four to one. And me and my daughters actually, they do, and there's only ever two people around Craig. I've never seen four. Because yeah. the, the one key worker, she said, oh, I think, I don't know whether an arm would take him, because he's four to one. And that just came out of the blue to me. And I've taken videos to prove yeah. that that is not true. Yeah, you okay. Know, Have you... Is, is, is Craig, um, how many children have you got? Is, so oh, he's got two sisters. He's got two sisters. How have they taken this? Terrible. Terrible. Going to fight all the way. Is he the eldest? He's the yes, middle? He's, he's, he's the, the eldest, eldest boy. So the he's the big, yeah, big brother. Yeah. Yeah. And they are devastated, yeah. Where well, we all are on his father. So when, when, when did you hear this news, by the way, that, that that was what they were planning? Well, we, about a week ago. And oh, so it's quite fresh still yeah. then. We won't, we won't do nothing this side of Christmas, but January, as blunt as that. And obviously he's got one elder child who's 18. Yes. What do, the ch- what, what do his ch- children know about all of this going she on? She knows everything now. The little right. ones just think daddy's in hospital. They've done a video call to him and they were happy to see him smiling. So the next step, what we were planning, was to take the children there. We've had professional help yeah. to go. And then all of a sudden... They just want to get rid of him. So what does what does his eldest daughter? Terrible. Watch? She's in a mess. She's broke her heart when I told her. Broke her heart. And in fact, four o'clock this morning, her mother was phoning me. She'd just come in off a night shift. She uh, she couldn't sleep. 
and she said, I'm just crying all the time. She's crying. She's crying. She said, I can't eat nothing. How can I tell my girl that her dad is going to pass away? And she'd been going down regular with me to see him. Yeah. She's devastated. Well, listen, Mandy, thank you for, for speaking with me. Yeah. Obviously, this is going to go out on TNT Radio. We'll yeah. try and get as much publicity as we can to raise awareness of Craig's case. Um, and, um, yeah, we'll see where things go. But, yeah. um, you know, I'll do it. Everyone at TNT will do everything they can, certainly, to um, yeah. for fight for Craig. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, thank you for speaking with me. Thank you very much. Okay. Great news. Good news, everyone. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. There was a security scare in the US Sunday night as a car crashed into Joe Biden's presidential motorcade. A wild sex tape scandal has rocked Capitol Hill with the explicit footage leaked online. Harrowing footage has emerged showing the moment a member of Ukraine's parliament blew up a council meeting. Elon Musk has taken another swipe at Disney and Israel has admitted killing three of its own hostages in Gaza. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT radio. Right. Well, I don't know about you, but watching that um, is just really powerful. Um, if that was a member of my family and putting myself in Mandy's shoes, just awful for the family, um, particularly his children and his and his two sisters. He's a big brother, two lovely ladies. Um, so to talk all about this, um, I'm joined by Kate Shemarani. Hello, Kate. No, it's still good. Well, it depends where you are in the world because this is a global show. Um, here in the UK, obviously, it's good morning. So good morning, Kate. Have um, you not in you're not anywhere so it's still good morning <laughs> <laughs> now kate did you you managed to watch that interview did you i did yes and i made some notes and uh because i knew i was coming on today i also went over the legalities etc so it, it's okay. very interesting yeah well let's first of all just talk about that 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 poor family and what is going on there what are your thoughts in terms of that putting aside all the legal stuff and all of that at the moment well this is a family who are facing a crisis and what they're seeing is their loved one the decision for uh their loved one is going against what they have been led to believe their entire lives that we have the sanctity of life and that the NHS is going to save you and do everything. And they've also had that, if, if one could use that analogy of the carrot on the stick, they've had that dangled before them. They've seen their loved one enter into an intensive care scenario where they've received advanced life care and support by the emergency services and get then going on there because of his injuries, life has been supported using um everything that's in the NHS. Now he's coming out of that. They're actually now saying, well, we've done that, but we're not going to save him. So I think there will be a lot of um, emotive confusion for that family. Um, there's a lot of terminology that they won't understand. But Kate, um, you say they're going to save him, but he doesn't need saving. He's um, he, he just needs feeding like me. I mean, if you withdraw food and water from me, I, I'm not going to last very long either. I've probably got a little bit of insulation more than a few, but, um, you know, so the point is he's not on any machines. Um, 
is this normal, Kate? Because I'm I'm not an expert on this. I don't follow a lot of these cases. I was aware of the the Daily Mail um, case um, recently of the teenage girl. Um, but is, is this normal to to actually say, well, this person is um, not sustained on any machines or anything? They just need food and water like the rest of us. But we're going to withdraw that and let that person die. Is that normal? Well, whether it's normal or whether it's not, what happens in the the NHS is far more than the public know. And you only get to hear about the cases where uh, relatives or those with power of attorney object, and then it will go into a legal battle. Um, whether it's normal or not, we shouldn't be looking at whether things are normal. We should be looking at the ethics and the legalities of such actions. And there was a very pivotal case which was the Montgomery versus Lanarkshire case, which was overseen by seven Supreme Court judges. And doctors are not allowed, they are not allowed, they are in contempt of court to make value decisions. So what I'm hearing from the mother and from a little bit of looking into this, is there are value decisions being made based on whether they believe he has quality of life. Now, that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is when one looks at the, the physical things, he doesn't like the nasogastric tube. I've passed lots of nasogastric tubes in my career. And Patients will get pressure sores in the nostril, on the back of the ear. It's very uncomfortable. It's very irritated. Imagine you have a tube hanging out of your nose that is secured in place with tape all the time. You are not going to like that. It's not cut and dried to put a feeding line in because then you have a portal to infection. So that still is going to need managing. But these are physical nursing things. Um, when they talk about him being agitated, if his ability to communicate is, is not 100%, so there is, is question there over um, who has assessed him. And, and the, the lady said for seven hours, the family know him. Sorry, please go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, Kate, when I say normal, I mean, I'm quite shocked. There's a lot of people, I'm sure, who are watching this. I've certainly looked at the feed on X and Facebook where this information has been shared. And I find it quite shocking watching the video of him and then hearing that doctors want to withdraw food and water. To me, I'm like, well, um, that's killing him. And and surely that's not allowed. Is, are there other cases where, where this goes on? It's always gone on. It's always happened right down to babies being born that are disabled, that are only fed on demand. And when they're fed, they're only fed water. This has always happened. This is the ugly side of what we call healthcare, And it's always happened. But you don't get to hear about it unless it's challenged. And this is being challenged, as was the case that you refer to of the young girl who they deemed didn't have capacity. She was clearly not of sound mind that she wanted to live and wasn't listening to what the doctors say. Well, this gentleman, if you listen to his mother, had a very full life, lived life to the full. And why is, is you know, that should be a plus point because clearly based on his injuries, I worked in a &E, I've worked in theatres. We covered sometimes in intensive care at the weekends and public holidays. 
This gentleman is at the beginning of his journey of recovery. It can take up to two years for his age to show basically what they say will be a full recovery. But there are many anomalies that that we hear in the press of patients coming out of comatose states who will tell you that they've heard everything. And the whole thing about brain death as well is another topic, but it's a complete lie and it doesn't take you long to look into it. But looking at this case, you're saying normal. It is illegal based on the Montgomery versus Lanarkshire case in the Supreme Court, seven judges, for this doctor to say what he's saying and planning to do. Yeah. Now, just to remind people of the case we're talking about that was reported in the Daily Mail, um, the the um, the the lawyer was also on TV, James Bogle. He was on this show as well, who represented her. Um, just to remind people of that case. So what happened there? She was a teenager just out of her A-levels. Um, she was fully conscious. She was messaging her friends from a hospital bed, but she needed machines to help her live. Now, the doctors basically said the prognosis for her is that she will die of this rare condition. Um, and so they said, so therefore, there's no point in continuing the care. They, we, we should turn the machines off. Now, she was saying, no way. I want to live. Um, and absolutely shockingly, I, I find this, I find this absolutely shocking. The judge actually turned around and dismissed her voice from the conversation because he said that she's clearly not compass mentis because she's not listening to the doctors who are saying that she will die. Now, in the end, she did pass away. But I do wonder if um, having that fight through the courts and having other people having an argument about whether she should be given the chance to live or not actually had an impact on her health. Because if that was going on with me, um, that would that, I, I I can't even imagine start to imagine how I would feel listening to other people arguing about whether I should have the the right to live when I'm putting my hand up and saying I want to live. Um, it's pretty shocking. Um, some of these cases, isn't it, Kate? It is, and there will be the people on one side saying, "Well, I wouldn't want to live like that." Now let's let's look at that. If you have made a decision of what you would like to happen in your life, if you lose capacity, so you have all of your decisions written down, should I ever need to be resuscitated? I don't want to be. Should I ever reach a stage where I cannot take care of myself? I would like to be um, left and I would like end of life care. If you make those decisions and they are documented, or let's say the opposite to that, you have said, listen, I, I'm a Christian, I, I'm a Catholic, I'm whatever, I'm a Muslim, you know, life has to be until it can no longer be maintained. And remember the very first point on the GMC that they have to tick, the doctors have to tick every year is about getting consent consent. Now, let's say you've made your decision what you want to happen. And suddenly, you know, you say, I want to live. I want to live no matter what. I want all medical intervention. Let's say you suddenly lose capacity. A doctor cannot then say, now, and that might be you've lost capacity because they've sedated you because you've suffered a uh, injury to your brain, be it mechanical or a stroke. You're now without capacity because you're sedated so that they can maximum perfuse your brain with oxygen. That's why they sedate you. That's why they ventilate you to protect the brain because it will keep swelling. They cannot suddenly override your 
written decisions of what you would want in the event of being incapacitated. They can't suddenly make those decisions for you. It is against the law. Yeah, and talking to Mandy over the weekend, it does seem that the doctors are making assumptions about about the family, um, about how often they might visit, um, about whether he would want his kids to remember him like that. Um, these are all just things they're pulling out of the air because... Well, James, like they're, said, called, is, they're not called yeah. assumptions. In legal terms, under the Montgomery versus Lanarkshire case, they're called value decisions. And they are not allowed to make a value decision because that goes against seven Supreme Court judges and is in contempt of court. Yeah. Okay, and obviously I will point out again, you know, Kate and I are not lawyers ourselves. Kate has got lots of expertise in this area and she knows a lot. But, you know, this will be down to the lawyers um, and I'm sure that this will end up in court. Right, Kate, we're going to take a quick break now. When we come back, I'd like to talk about the wider picture within the NHS because there is... There's been reports um, published, haven't there, going back to 2012, about the plan by the government to put more of us on these end-of-life care plans. So we're going to talk all about that straight after this short break. So stay tuned with me, James Freeman, on TNT Radio. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. Stop letting leftists set the agenda. Stop letting them turn nothing burgers into the most pressing issues of the day. Stop letting them use words like inclusion, equity, fairness, and diversity as cudgels to beat you into submission. Stop bowing, stop scraping, stop bending the knee, and stop giving them what they desire, an abject apology, assuring them that they'll get their way and everything will be fine. Because it won't be fine. That won't be the last complaint. Every time you submit to them, you encourage them. You give them more fuel for their next attack. And it will go on for decades. The Onondaga Nation complained to Syracuse University about the Saltine Warrior mascot in 1978. And here we are, 45 years later, the Onondaga Nation is complaining to Liverpool High School about using Warriors as their athletic mascot. For 45 years it was fine, but now all of a sudden in 2023 it's not. Stop giving in to this culture of destruction. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. Most people are unaware that bad bacteria can grow quickly in food that's stored, prepped, or cooked incorrectly, and that can lead to food poisoning. To avoid bad bacteria, always make sure your hands and cooking utensils are clean. Keep raw meat and chicken away from food that won't be cooked. Run your fridge at or below 5 degrees Celsius and use a meat thermometer to ensure your meat's being cooked to at least 75 degrees Celsius. For more tips on keeping bad bacteria at bay, visit foodsafety.asn.au. This is the Freeman Report with James Freeman on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Right. Now, before we move on, we're going to talk about more widely what's going on in the NHS. I would like to just say, um, I think it goes out the question that TNT Radio is fully going to support the family. Um, I'm going to run with this. We're going to set up a crowdfunder. Um, I know Mandy um, Craig's mum is watching now and the rest of the family um, will be watching this. So we, we're going to try and help raise awareness of this, get some money so that we can get proper legal representation. Kate, is there anything else you, you want to say before we move on? 
I would urge everybody to look up Montgomery versus Lanarkshire case. Montgomery and Montgomery, uh, Montgomery is a legal professor at, at University College London and his wife is at King's College, a nurse. And they were advising doctors to, to go against this Montgomery versus Lanarkshire case. That case is very pivotal. Doctors cannot, cannot make value decisions. And this, I believe, based on what I've heard and read and the case is a value decision that is being made, which is in contempt of court. And these are regular people, regular Joes like myself. And you're talking about a big boy club here, doctors, lawyers, judges. They all work on the assumption, as do hospitals, have huge amounts of insurance. There are cases going on every day that you don't even know about that will never reach the court steps because they'll be decided out of court and a gag clause payment will be put on it. And they rely on the public, one, not knowing, and two, not having the funds to fight it. So collectively, we are stronger because this is what is in store for all of us. And for me, the sanctity of life, this young man should be allowed to continue. It is not for us to decide to murder someone because that is what it is. It's a planned murder. Yeah, exactly. And I think the important thing is when you look at the list of injuries that he had, it's horrific, really, really horrific. He was in a coma for about a month and he's fought, he's fought to this point to be alive um, and spend time with his family. So I think he should be, you know, it's not up to doctors to say whether, um, you know, it's worth his life is worth something. Kate, um, this this whole thing um, in the NHS to do with end of life care, tell us the big picture on this because um, MPs and parliament have published reports. They have got a plan as part of their wider NHS plan. Tell us what's going on, the big picture. First of all, every trust was in debt and they just had all their debt wiped, interestingly, in 2020. So there's your first question mark above your head. Um, what did they all agree to for those debts to be wiped? Because don't forget, at the very top, they would be held accountable when a trust is in debt. The Palliative Care Funding Review of 2011, known as the Lansley Report, which anyone can access. Remember, forearmed is forewarned. Do not leave your health in the hands of these gangsters. The, the Palliative Care Funding Review, scroll down to page 64. You can find it online. And when you get to page 64, you will see a couple of paragraphs and then you will see a box with demographics of age, 18 to upwards and then you'll get to 65 plus that box goes from 2011 up to 2031 now above that box it states that those people placed on end-of-life care palliative care is going to be broadened that means increased and incentivized that means it's cash for corpses and hospitals success is deemed based on how many they have on end-of-life care so from you would one could hypothesize with the amount of vaccines that they pour into the elderly come the autumn, and we've just done the rounds of COVID shot, flu shot, shingle shot, and pneumonia shot, it would be acceptable for us all to assume 
that the elderly would be living longer because they are receiving all this wonderful health care. But if one looks at page 64, you will see that between 2011 and 2031, the mortality, the deaths of those age 65 plus rises exponentially. So they are expecting more 65 plus to die. Now that was raised, it was 1,642.5 patients per day had to be on end-of-life care in England and Wales in order for hospitals to get their money. That has now been raised to 2,066 per day, and they've just announced, um, they've just announced uh, with, with Marie Curie, and the name will come to me in a minute, the guy who it was, that they're going to increase it again. So we're heading to almost a million are going to be placed on end-of-life care minimum. Yeah, and, you know, when, when I first heard people talking about cash incentives for hospitals to put people on end-of-life care, I thought, this is one of those conspiracies. It sounds so um, outlandish that that would be going on. But I've had Sam, Professor Sam Ahmed say, and he was actually part of the, um, the, the NICE. He actually helped write the NICE guidelines, NG163, I think it is. And, you know, he's he's against all of this now. He's written a report along with James Bogle, the lawyer who represented that that young lady um, um, about six weeks ago. They wrote a report for the Commons and Lords um, on this. And he came on the show and he said that, yes, that is true. There are cash incentives or there have been in the past. There I was being called this a is... conspiracy theorist all along. And all along I knew I was correct because I had the documents. Yeah. This is shocking. I mean, th th just to reset a bit, because th this isn't something new, is it? The Liverpool Care Pathway, um, that was in place for years. There was huge public um, outrage about that. Um, you know, massive, massive campaign. Um, so much so that MPs and Westminster were forced to debate it. In the end, the practice was banned. And that was no. how long ago? No, 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 no. Okay. June rain, June rain said it had to be phased out. All of the all of the care, all of the trusts were told it was being phased out. The very next day that they were told it was being phased out, it continued under a different name. The drugs were identical, the practice was identical. The only thing that changed was more people were placed on it. It was right. never ever stopped. All of what you saw and all of those inquiries are lip service, just like you're seeing with the COVID inquiry now. People need to shake themselves. You're yeah. paying for all these inquiries. They didn't stop anything. The Liverpool Care Pathway, before it was the Liverpool Care Pathway, was, was continuing. I trained as a nurse in 1984. The sister used to decide. Big dose of morphine, that was it. Now, the Liverpool Care Pathway, the very next day, was switched to end of life. The drugs were the same. Exactly the same. The only difference was, one district nurse told me, the only difference was, instead of there being two in a month, there were two every week, and three every week, and four every week. It just increased which tallies with the fact that you've got the palliative care funding review incentivized. And just to say, James, there is a tariff on everyone's head. Trusts have now been told that they are responsible for the cost of the end of life care in itself. So when that patient enters the hospital, they are going to have to pay it. Now, as soon as that patient is placed on the end of life care, there's a tariff that they can collect, which is just under 500 quid, less than what you get if you're a cow or a pig. Now they can collect that tariff. So they're not going to want to spend several thousand 
keeping you alive for weeks and weeks and weeks when they're only going to get just under 500 quid. So your end of life care is going to be swift. Now, Kate, when did, when when was that um, in, in, in Parliament? When did they say they were going to phase it out? It's quite a while ago now, isn't it? Roughly when, the, when was when, that? What you're talking about, about the Liverpool mm -hmm. Care Pathway. That's how yeah. long ago that was stated. They were phasing it out during rain. I mean, the, the very fact, phasing it out. Imagine you're the poor bugger who's placed on it in the phase-out phase out period. How can you phase yeah. out murder? Now, um, there are all sorts of really shocking stories around this. I've had Rebecca um, on the show here before. Um, her case is really shocking. So um, her mum was actually in hospital. Um, she's <laughs> Rebecca is a nurse. Um, her mum ended up passing away under what were, she thought, suspicious circumstances. There was a whole autopsy done. The coroner said, no, just, you know, natural causes or whatever. She fought that and, and had to have her mum's body put aside for six months while they, um, well, she fought to get a second opinion. When that second autopsy was done, they found fentanyl and midazolam in her body. Now, the hospital said, was enough, was enough, Gov. But, and then the police were involved and everything. And I would say, well, that's a murder case, isn't it? Because you've got these powerful sedatives, which are controlled drugs, in her body, right? And nobody knows how they got there. It clearly, or very, very, very likely, had something to do with her death. The hospital was saying nothing to do with us. They just closed the case down. The police said, well, the hospital said they don't know. So so that's it. This is, this is not good enough, is it? I'm going to just say it because we had the Gosport inquiry where hundreds and hundreds of patients were murdered, clearly, and the doctor was retired and is still free. And more and more cases are coming to light. Gosport inquiry, sorry, 35 years ago, and it's still going on. Uh, what you're talking about is police, judicial system, doctors, coroners, who are all in positions of great power once they get up the ladder, who are all Freemasons. So you're asking them to go against one another, to uncover the very truth of the facts that this is nothing new. King George was murdered by his own doctor with morphine and cocaine into his jugular, and it was discovered in his memoirs. And it's very public, you can read it, but what is more shocking is after his death, all the doctors came forward and said, oh yes, he killed lots of people. Yeah, now I've, I have got another story which I'm going to break. Um, it is a story that's been going on for a while, um, the case of Michael Heath. He was actually an investigative um, coroner. Um, it's absolutely shocking. He was the coroner that um, that um, did the first autopsy on Rebecca's mum. She later found out that he'd been struck off the home office list, and yet he was allowed to practice, carry on practicing. He was awful. Absolutely. There's hundreds of cases like this where malpractice has gone on, and it's all being covered up. And I'm going to, this is another show that I'm going to run here. But we've got a minute left, Kate. The thing that really gets me is this is our money. This is our money, mine, yours, and everybody watching this. And the NHS is set up to care for people, not to put people um, out, out of their, you know, uh, to end their lives without consent. It's wrong. 
Well, let's just say this. If all the nurses out there stopped acting as assassins and the doctors stopped acting as pimps working for a cartel, it would be game over. If they went back to being patient advocates, they wouldn't be able to do the dirty job of government. So what we need yeah. is to dispense with the National Homicide Service and we need a whole new service. And I'm more than happy to start it. Yeah, amen. There's too much money that is all about incentivizing money in the system. Absolutely, we need to end of it. Thank you very much, Kate Shamarani. Very welcome.